What the fuck is up? Welcome back. My name is Noah Hills. You can find me on Twitter at No More Parties. You can find me on TikTok at No More Parties, even though I haven't uh, TikToked in I think like two weeks, but I will again. Uh, and you can find my written work, doing a lot of work on these rookie running backs right now, but also uh, Devi rankings, Dynasty rankings, rookie running back rankings, all running back stuff at NoahMoreParties.com. Come check it out. Uh, but today's video is uh, I'm going to look at, there were five running backs from non-Power 5 school. Well, okay, technically there were five running backs from like G5 schools invited to the Combine. There was also Hunter Lupke, but he is a fullback from an FCS school. So uh, to be honest, don't care about him. Uh, so not talking about him, but of the other five guys who didn't go to Power 5 schools, I'm gonna talk about all of them today. They're small school running backs. Should we care about them? So let's get into it. <laughs> The first guy here, this is in order of least to most interesting, or least to most interesting. And the least interesting of these guys to me is Cameron Peoples from Appalachian State. He was six foot one and three eighths of an inch and 217 pounds the combine. That's pretty big, but also relatively thin. Uh, his height to weight ratio there is a little bit heavy on the height side. And he just ran 4.61 of the 40, so not super fast, but he did jump well. 37 inches in the vertical, that's in the 75th percentile, and 10 feet and one inch in the broad jump, that's a little bit above average. Given his height weight, given those uh, athletic testing numbers, his closest physical comps to my database, which just looking at height and weight measurables, athletic testing numbers, um, these are the, the most similar guys to him in my database are Jordan Wilkins, Brandon Jackson, Sony Michelle, James Starks, and Kareem Hunt. Really, that's not a bad list. That's Jordan Wilkins, who, not a super fantasy-relevant player, but he stuck around on some NFL rosters and was like a depth piece who got on the field and was relatively efficient when he got the ball. Brandon Jackson played for the Packers for a little bit, was not bad. Same thing with James Starks. He had a solid role for a while. He was like the starting running back for that team um, in the Super Bowl run. Uh, Sonny Michelle obviously has been disappointing in the NFL, but he's like a 1,000-yard rusher who is the starting running back on a Super Bowl team. And Kareem Hunt, Pro Bowl level back. So, Guys who are built like and move like Cameron Peoples have been fairly successful in the league, even if he doesn't have like elite athleticism or like a great BMI and things like that. That being said, he's not a receiver at all. 11 career catches, 4.9 career yards per target, 68.8% career true catch rate, which ignores passes that are not catchable. So his quarterback chucks it over his head. He doesn't get penalized for that. Less than 70% on catchable balls for his career. That's not good. And he had, I think he had like 77 career receiving yards. Evan Hull for Northwestern had nearly three times that in one game against Duke last year. He had 213 receiving yards in one game against Duke. Cameron Peoples had 77 for his entire career. He's also a five-year guy. He spent five years in college. He redshirted in 2018, which to be fair, also on that Appalachian State team was Darrington Evans and Jalen Moore, two running backs who, you know, made it onto NFL rosters at the very least in the case of Jalen Moore, and then got on the field and contributed in the case of Darrington Evans. So two NFL quality running backs on the team. Obviously, if he was Todd Gurley, he wouldn't have had to redshirt over Darrington Evans or behind Darrington Evans. But we're trying to figure out if this guy is like an NFL-type player. Him redshirting behind other NFL players is not necessarily 
a bad sign. But then 2019, season-ending injury in the first game of the season. But then the next year, he ran for 1,100 yards as the starter in his first actual legitimate season of college football. Production kind of dipped in the next two seasons, but he's been successful at some point in college. Not a great production profile, but he was, you know, at least a a good college player. I mean, he's semi-interesting as a runner. His box-adjusted efficiency rating, which looks your yards per carry relative to what your teammates are doing, but adjusted for for the kinds of box counts you're seeing because the amount of men in the box is a large, you know, kind of predictive factor in uh, the outcomes of running plays. So adjusted for the kinds of defensive fronts you're seeing, what is what is a carry worth for you versus what a carry is worth for the collective other running backs on your offense? 26th percentile in this area, 109%. So a carry for Cameron Peoples was worth 9% more than a carry for like the other guys at App State during his career. But that's uh, being that much better than your teammates at Appalachian State just like isn't that impressive in the context of historical NFL prospects. Uh, but his relative success rate, which is a similar calculation, but it's it's a rate stat. It's how often are you gaining a requisite amount of yards given down a distance adjusted for the box counts you're seeing relative to your teammates. So 4.3% more often than his teammates in that area, which is solid. That's 60th percentile. So kind of a, a high floor, low ceiling runner. Um, if you want to think about it that way, didn't rip off a lot of 10 yard runs, basically the same rate his teammates did, but he was a decent tackle breaker, 83rd percentile, according to pro football focus and his closest comps as a runner. If you look at his like physical profile, plus his rushing efficiency metrics, like who, who come, who steps out of that, you know, kind of combination as the most similar players in those two areas. Number one is Kareem Hunt. So that's not bad. Like Kareem Hunt also at a small school, really back when he was in college, was not that much more efficient than his teammates were similar to Cameron Peoples. The difference here is that Kareem Hunt was an explosive runner who was ripping off 10 yard runs at a high rate where Peoples is not doing that. But otherwise, similar athleticism, uh, similar efficiency numbers in college. And his next four closest comps are Marcus Lattimore, who's good in college, Storm Johnson, Jaquiz Rogers, and Jalen Warren. Jaquiz Rogers and Jalen Warren are uh, smaller than him, but their efficiency numbers are are fairly similar. Both of those guys were NFL contributors. Basically, I think Peoples is like a big two-down grinder. He's a distant cousin to like the David Montgomery family tree of all-purpose tackle breakers, but he's not an all-purpose back, not quite as good as those guys. I think he's probably a jag, but he's not like a horrible prospect. The next guy I want to talk about though is Keaton Mitchell from East Carolina, kind of reminiscent of Chris Johnson from 15 years ago at the same school, just small running back, super fast, lots of big plays. His, he was five foot, he was just under five foot eight, an eighth of an inch short of five foot eight at the combine and 179 pounds. He ran four, three, seven in the 40, uh, was above the 80th percentile in both of the jumps. But like everyone was worried about Deuce Vaughn's weight prior to the combine. Like, uh, is he going to be like 168 pounds? Deuce Vaughn ended up being 179 pounds at the combine. Keith Mitchell was the same weight, but three, nearly three inches taller than what Deuce Vaughn is. So if you're concerned about Deuce Vaughn's size, which is completely understandable, you also have to be worried about Keaton Mitchell's size because yeah, he's taller, but that doesn't help him. He's he's now less dense, less he's, he's not as well built as Deuce Vaughn is, even though he's just as light as Deuce Vaughn. You get what I'm saying? Like it, it's not better to be taller in this instance. And his closest physical comps in my database are Trenton Cannon, Chris Rainey, CJ Spiller, who was similar athletically, similarly like skinny for a running back, but was like 15 pounds heavier than this, Kalfani Muhammad, and Philip Lindsay. So some decent players. But on top of like 
being the same size as Deuce Vaughn and all that, uh, at a taller, like, he's, he's also not quite the receiver Deuce Vaughn is, I don't think. I haven't watched film on him, but the, the numbers seem okay. Uh, 7.6% target share, which is not great. That's in the 36th percentile. Um, and among, like, historical prospects who were under 200 pounds, played at group of five schools, and had target shares under the 50th percentile, so below average target shares at small schools and were small running backs, the most successful of all of them, going back to like 2007, is Matt Breida. You want a small running back to be a good receiver, yes, but also at a small school, hypothetically speaking, if you're a future NFL contributor, you are a big fish in a small pond in a small conference on a, on a not a major team like East Carolina. Like you're you're the big man on campus there. They should be trying to get you the ball like any way they can. Keaton Mitchell had like 22 receptions last year, 27 or something like that. But that's not that many considering how often East Carolina was throwing the ball. His target share, far below average. Not a great sign. Uh, his dot also negative 1.1, 21st percentile. He's just catching passes behind the line of scrimmage, swing passes, screens, things like that. Um, but I don't think he has a problem with his hands. 88% true catch rate. That's solid. Perfectly average, really. But he also ran a fairly diverse route tree, 86th percentile route diversity. By the time it was 2022, um, in his final season, he was running basic routes like screens and swings and, and things like that. 32nd percentile amount of the time. Really not that often. I guess the, the negative 1.1 A dot was mostly his his kind of early years where his as he kind of aged and gained experience, like he expanded his route tree. So who knows? The underlying metrics are decent, uh, but the volume in the context of like this, the small school he's at and things like that, I don't know. Seems like kind of a coin flip for me as a receiver, but when you're 179 pounds, like you need to be better than a coin flip. You need to be really good as a receiver to get on the field at 179 pounds. But Keaton Mitchell also happens to be one of the most efficient runners in my entire database. His box adjusted efficiency rating is in the 97th percentile. The average carry for Keaton Mitchell was worth 63% more than the average carry for all the other runners at East Carolina during his career. His relative success rate was 8% higher than his teammates. That's in the 86th percentile. He ripped off 10-yard runs 10% more often than his teammates did. That's in the 98th percentile. And he converted 41% of his 10-yard runs into breakaway runs of 20 yards or more. That's in the 91st percentile. And he also broke a lot of tackles. He's small, but according to Pro Football Focus, 0.29 missed tackles forced per attempt. That's in the 87th percentile. And of course, level of competition caveats apply. This is not, what is that, the American Conference? Not elite level of competition, but it's the same conference where Tajay Spears went, where Jerome Ford played, where Marlon Mack played, where Daryl Henderson, Tony Pollard, Antonio Gibson, and Kenneth Gainwell played, where Dearness Johnson played, Dontrell Hilliard, Mike Boone, Raquel Armstead. Not all of those guys are like elite NFL players. Several of them are starting level NFL players, and all of them were people that, or were running backs that people were like excited about coming out of college because they were dominant at a, at the small school level, Keaton Mitchell had the same thing going for him. So yeah, he was super efficient. Yeah, it was a small school at a, you know, not major conference. But if you were, if you were excited about any of those guys, Daryl Henderson, Antonio Gibson, Marlon Mack, like any of those guys you were interested, then you can't write off Keaton Mitchell for the same reason. And, and also we're, we're really comparing Mitchell to his teammates. These are team relative efficiency metrics, most of them. And Keaton Mitchell's teammates averaged 2.97 star rating as high school recruits, which is not some sort of elite number. And it's not a perfect, you know, kind of measurement of their level of talent, but it's a decent approximation, I think. That's in the 40th percentile, but it's ahead of 12 out of 26 of the guys invited to the combine uh, among this year's running back group, including like Sean Tucker and Zach Charbonnet. So 
Keaton Mitchell's teammates were more highly recruited than Sean Tucker and Zach Charbonnet's were. So his his efficiency relative to them should mean just as much as Sean Tucker's or Zach Charbonnet's uh, efficiency relative to their teammates. And by using like volume numbers and the talent level of his teammates, like I can generate numbers like averages for historical prospects. I can generate what a player in Keaton Mitchell's situation should be expected to average more than his teammates if he's like an NFL quality talent, like his expected yards per carry plus. And that number for Keaton Mitchell is 0.54, an NFL quality running back, getting as much volume as he did, playing with the level of talent of teammates that he had, would be expected to average 0.54 yards per carry greater than his teammates during his college career. Keaton Mitchell averaged 2.49 yards per carry greater than his teammates. That's like five times more than we'd expect from an NFL quality running back in that situation. That's ridiculous. I think basically what I'm saying here is like, yes, the... the What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The level of competition was low, but it was not uniquely low, and Mitchell was super impressive in the context of it, given like the burden of proof required of small school running backs. His yards per carry plus versus his expected yards per carry plus is like two two yard difference in what we would have expected. He is, he's ninth all time in that metric. The other guys in that list are Bryce Love, who got hurt, Felix Jones, Aaron Jones, Tevin Coleman, Alan Bradford, Jordan Wilkins, Daryl Henderson, and Jonathan Franklin. That's like four guys. That's that's like a 50% hit rate on legitimate NFL contributors, several of them starting running backs in the NFL. So pretty impressive. The problem with Keaton Mitchell is that he's like a serial run bouncer. He knows he's faster than everybody else on the field, so he just bounces everything outside. I haven't watched film on him, but this is what I've heard people who I trust say. So I'm regurgitating somebody else's analysis, but you know, it is what it is. He's a, he's a serial run bouncer, but because of that, that's where his efficiency comes from. There's not much evidence of him like being able to run between the tackles in like any sort of legitimate way. So he probably won't be a regular contributor as a ball carrier in the NFL, but we're not necessarily concerned with that. We're concerned with the efficiency is indication of talent, not necessarily like pure running ability, but he's obviously got some like athletic juice and ability to make people miss in space and things like that, as evidenced by his ridiculous efficiency as a runner in college. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because he's probably not going to be a regular contributor, but like jet sweeps, screens, swing passes, kick returns, things like that. I think he could be a contributor with, you know, a ceiling of like a Tariq Cohen if he's better, if the coin flip as a receiver like really works out, he could be usable in like deep dynasty leagues in that scenario. The next guy I want to talk about is Daenerik Prince, who is five foot 11, six eighths of an inch, 216 pounds, ran four, four, one at the combine and was 58th percentile in the vert, 75th in the broad. So solid jumps and his closest physical comps without skipping a single name, Marshawn Lynch, Joseph Adai, Bijan Robinson, Marlon Mack, Noshan Moreno, Lamar Miller, Bishop Sankey, Adrian Peterson, DeMarco Murray, and Cadillac Williams. That's like eight out of 10 first round picks. Like 75% of those NFL guys have like multiple 1,000 yard rushing seasons. Another, the, the other guy on the list is Bijan Robinson, other than like one bust in Bishop Sankey. Ridiculous list. Like guys who are built and move like Daenerik Prince are almost always stud NFL running backs. Daenerik Prince isn't quite there. He is not a receiver at all. 17 career receptions. Um, and I think he's kind of Izzy Abanacanda arbitrage as a runner. He's like a poor man's Izzy Abanacanda. Box adjusted efficiency rating, not super impressive, 108%. Relative success rate, also not super impressive, but 46th percentile at 2.2%. But he was a big play runner. Ripped off 10-yard runs 
at a at 3.1% greater clip than what his teammates did. That's in the 71st percentile and converted his 10 yard runs into breakaway runs of 20 yards or more at a 39.6% clip. Pretty damn good. That's like barely less than what Keaton Mitchell did. Uh, this is an 87th percentile. So big play runner. That's that's what Izzy Abanacana is. He's a tall, upright runner with an explosive first step and good long speed. Denaric Prince is exactly that, who uh, wasn't a very consistent like down-to-down producer. Denaric Prince is even a little bit better than him in that area. But Izzy Abanacana was not a very you know consistent down-to-down producer, but was a big play runner who was like a chunk gain machine and had just like enough long speed in the open field to just blow by defensive backs. Denaric Prince has that speed and his efficiency numbers say that he produced like that in college. So he has physical traits that might get him drafted. I don't think he's awesome, but I think he in the right sort of system where he just needs to like plant and go, you know, maybe he sticks around somewhere. The next guy I want to talk about is Ty J Spears, five foot nine and five eighths of an inch and 201 pounds, four, four, seven and the 40 at his pro day, which was today. I'm filming this on Thursday. I don't know if he did agility drills as of now, maybe two days in the future when this video comes out, uh, we'll know about that. But as of now, uh, I don't see anything about agility drills, but he was 88th percentile and 80th percentile in the vertical and the broad. His closest physical comps are Ronnie Hillman, Travis Homer, Tevin Coleman, Monterio Hardesty, and Boston Scott, which doesn't sound like a super spectacular list, but that's three day two picks and four NFL contributors from a, you know, a, a small school guy with an injury history from Tulane, who's also an undersized running back. That's not a bad, bad list. And he's all, he seems at least decent as a receiver. I don't have a strong grasp on him um, in this area, but he seems at least decent. Only 48 receptions in his college career, which isn't a ton, but 8.4 yards per target, which is pretty dang good. 65th percentile route diversity. So he was used relatively, you know, in varied ways. However, I don't think he's a great technical runner. I know a lot of people are really into Tajay Spears. I was not impressed by his like decision-making on either zone or gap runs out of 14 running backs for whom I've charted like a significant amount of runs so far in this rookie class. Uh, Tajay Spears' decision-making uh, ranked in my film charting where I'm I'm grading things like vision, patience, discipline, like decisive, like all these different, like six different categories related to decision-making on each play. Um, and then, you know, kind of the play level averages come out to like an aggregate score. Based on that film charting process, Tajay Spears is 13th out of 14 running backs on zone plays and 10th out of 14 running backs on gap concepts. Not good. His relative success rate in the 38th percentile, that's kind of my go-to indication of like, maybe a guy doesn't have like, a ton of speed or a bunch of tackle breaking ability that allows him to be super efficient. But if he makes good decisions at the line of scrimmage and just knows what to do in like a technical cerebral sense, he can be more consistent than his teammates. He, he can produce consistently on a down to down basis, keep his team ahead of schedule, keep the chains moving, even if he's not like a super efficient, you know, like athletic beast. Tajay Spears has, has good athleticism, but he is not the kind of guy who's like keeping his team on schedule, you know, producing consistently on a down to down basis like that 38th percentile in relative success rate, but he is special in space, ripping off 10 yard runs, 3.1% more often than his teammates, 71st percentile breakaway conversion rate, stupid good. 43.8% is how often he's converting his 10 yard runs into breakaway runs of 20 yards or more. That's in the 95th percentile. And in my film charting, I also am charting like physical interactions with defenders and how well you power through contact and things like that. He ranks sixth in this class out of 14 guys in powering through contact, which doesn't sound elite. And it's not necessarily elite, but it's 50% better than the class average. He's part of like a decently sized like tier at the top that is significantly more 
runs with significantly better power than like the bottom 66% of the class. So Taiji Spears ranks sixth out of 14, but I think he's pretty dang good as far as like running through tacklers. PFF th thought the same thing. 93rd percentile missed tackles forced per attempt. He's got this like Alvin Kamara style contact balance where he's not trying to make a ton of people miss, but he dips his shoulder or like swings his hips away from a diving tackle and just has these weird little movements. I know Jameer Gibbs gets a lot of Alvin Kamara comps. I think those make sense as a receiver. As a runner, though, and the way that they like absorb contact and can make people miss, Tajay Spears is a lot more like Alvin Kamara than Jameer Gibbs is. And that helps him produce a box-adjusted efficiency rating of 138%, which is in the 86th percentile. So he's a very efficient runner overall, just not consistent on a down-to-down -down basis and not a consistent decision-maker, in my opinion, based on what I saw from him on film. And so that's like the perfect archetype, not the perfect archetype, but like, you know, he falls perfectly into this archetype of a player who like is super elusive and has athletic gifts and is good out in space, but doesn't have like the cerebral technical ability, at least yet, to make consistently good decisions at the line of scrimmage and produce well on a down-to-down -down basis. Because of that, I think he has like a wide range of outcomes, but I think he'll be a contributor at the very least. Like his physical comps say he'll be a contributor. He was really efficient and is legitimately awesome out in space. I think he'll be an NFL contributor, at least as like a Boston Scott or a Travis Homer. But I also think there's the possibility that he's like very fantasy relevant at some point in his career, like Aaron Jones or you know, Ronnie Hillman even was like, a, a, what, like a low-end RB2 one time. Like, I think he could be the 1B in somebody's backfield in like the right situation and maybe even be more productive than that. But I'm also confident that he's like at least going to be like on an NFL team playing on the field. The last of these guys that I want to talk about is Dwayne McBride, who was listed at 5'10", 215 at UAB, uh, was just 5'10", 209 at the Combine. Uh, his pro day is on Wednesday, so we'll see how fast he is. Um, he's not a receiver at all. Four receptions in his entire career. He also has a fumbling problem. Nine combined fumbles in the last two seasons, but he's averaged 113.6 rushing yards per game for his entire career. So he has been dominating. Where does UAB play? Is that, that's not the Sun Belt. I don't, I don't fucking remember where they play. But whatever conference that is where UAB plays, he's ripping it up. He has been since he was a freshman. And it's not just volume. He has stupid good efficiency numbers as well. 145% box-adjusted efficiency rating, 87th percentile, 7.3% relative success rate, 83rd percentile, ripping off 10-yard runs, 4.3% more often than his teammates. That's in the 80th percentile as well. And 46.3% breakaway conversion rate. How often is he turning 10-yard runs into breakaways of 20 or more? That's in the 97th percentile. He's doing that nearly half of the time. That means if he rips off 100 10-yard runs, f what, 46 of them go for at least 20. That's ridiculous. It's nuts. I don't care what conference he's in. That's awesome. And he also breaks a ridiculous amount of tackles. 0.36 per attempt, according to Pro Football Focus. That's in the 99th percentile. I believe, other than B. John Robinson, that's, that's the highest in my entire database, other than B. John Robinson and Antonio Gibson. But Antonio Gibson had like like 20 carries in his whole college career. If he breaks like three on one play, he's got a significant leg up. So ignoring Antonio Gibson, I, I believe Dwayne McBride's, if I'm remembering correctly, is the second highest in my entire database. So pretty damn good. So he's a consistent runner. He's one of these guys that is keeping the chains moving, is keeping his offense on schedule. So he's doing that, but he's also ripping off explosive plays, extending them deep into the secondary, breaking a ton of tackles, 
and producing really efficiently overall, he's also really good on film. He graded out first for me on gap concepts, first for me on zone concepts, as the fourth most powerful runner in this class overall. And yeah, level of competition caveats apply, but I think the point is, especially on his film, he's just not making mistakes. Like, it's not like he he's doing a lot of things well and they're kind of outweighed by some negative things. Like, he just doesn't do things wrong. And he's in a more advantageous position given the level of competition. Like he's not having to deal with as much negative stimulus as a lot of the running backs in this class are, but he's, he's also not making mistakes. And that I think is a good thing. Like he's not necessarily battle tested in the way that like an SEC running back would be, but he's, he doesn't fuck up. And I think that has a lot of value. Like, especially on gap concepts and things like that. You don't want guys who are going to bail. Like NFL teams want you to be able to execute. And I think Dwayne McBride can do that. Uh, I think an Alfred, like an Alfred Morris, Jordan Howard type ceiling is not out of the question for him. If he can get the fumbling thing figured out, would not be shocked if he like doesn't get drafted or, or whatever. There you have it. That's the uh, small school running backs in this class. Dwayne McBride, Ty J Spears, Daneric Prince, Keaton Mitchell, and Cameron Peoples. Hit like, hit subscribe, uh, do those, do the YouTube things, and then I will see you next, uh, what is it? I'll see you on Wednesday. Have a, have a great weekend. Peace.